Darling, didn't anyone ever tell you the rules you use to judge yourself aren't real? All right, welcome back. Welcome back to season three. This is episode 24. And I want to start by telling you about a professor I had in undergrad. It was my first philosophy course. And a lot of people took this course to replace their mathematics requirement uh, for their degree. So it was a logic and reasoning course. And because you learned about logical syllogisms, if you want to look that up, go right ahead. I was a master at them. Because you learned logical syllogisms, that was part of mathematics. It counted for a mathematics credit, even though it was a philosophy course. So a lot of people took this to try to get around the mathematics credit. I also took a statistics class, so that wasn't me. I was just taking it because it sounded interesting. But I remember the professor one day to prove a point and to start a discussion, wrote his name on the whiteboard. Literally before I sat down to record this episode, I looked up in the campus directory of this school like the philosophy department and tried to find the name of this guy because for the life of me, I can't remember his name. But we're just going to call him Brian because I don't, I don't remember his name. But for whatever reason, that feels like a good guess. So he writes Brian on the whiteboard. And then he goes, let's say, you know, one of you over the weekend, you know, you're you're frustrated with me because I assigned some homework and you don't want to do your assignment. So, you know, my name here, here Brian, I'm I'm written on this board. What if we decided you know, you don't you don't like me very much. So, you're just going to get rid of Brian. You're going to get rid of him. So, he takes the eraser and he erases his name off the board and he goes there. He doesn't exist because I erased him off the board. Obviously, nothing happens, right? Nothing happens if you erase someone's name off a board. But what he did was he was proving a point about how we identify. We identify in a lot of different ways. We identify as our name. We identify as a person. We identify as a body. We identify as... You know, for example, this professor, he is a professor. That's part of his identity. And this illustration, this example that he gave always comes back to me. I mean, it stuck with me for over 10 years, right? I think I was about 17 or 18 when I was taking that class. So it's been over 10 years and I still remember that. I don't remember what his name is and I, I feel bad, but... I remember that illustration to start getting our brains thinking about what does it mean to exist? What does it mean 
to exist. Who are we? What is our identity? And that illustration sets the stage for the topic of this episode, which is the intersection of body image and identity. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what we often see used to identify, why it makes sense to identify as a body, but the ways that we go wrong, and just some, some fun thought exercises that help me separate my identity from my body and really get into the depths of who I am. And once you really get into the depths of who you are, things like what you look like become so insignificant. Not that they're not relevant, but they're insignificant. So I'm excited to go on this little journey with you here today. I have a cup of tea getting me through this because I've been recording a couple episodes today and it's crazy how when you don't use your voice a lot, it gets tired uh, when you talk for 40 minutes straight. So before I get into some of this, I've hope, I hope you've taken a moment to ask yourself, what does it mean to exist? And this is an existential question. Let's just take it from a, a basic level. What does it mean to exist? Well, I think it means consciousness, matter, like taking up space means that you exist. And rather than getting into like this whole discussion about whether or not we live in a simulation or this is the matrix or whatever, that's not really helpful for the purpose of this conversation. That's more of a philosophical conversation uh, that frankly I find a little boring, but I do find this part interesting where we start to choose the things that we use to differentiate our existence from other people's existence. Stay with me here. This is a simple observation, a simple question. What's the easiest way to differentiate yourself from someone else? What you look like, right? Your physical appearance is usually the first thing people use to describe you. Oh, the tall woman with the brown hair. That could be me. <laughs> Most people identify me as tall. But where this starts to get problematic is when we start identifying so deeply with our body that we use our body as the measure of our worth. Because if you look to your body for your identity and you have a negative body image, you will see yourself as someone with low value, low worth. But here's the thing. If you get this right, even if you have a negative body image, you can still have a positive self-worth because the way that you are measuring your worth doesn't have to do with your body because you don't identify primarily as the way you look. Did you catch that? So this is why this is so important. The way that you identify the main things that you think of when you think, who am I? Those are the things 
that shape your identity and they are also the things that are going to shape how you feel about yourself, your worth, your value. So the lie, the lie, the rule, the made up thing in culture that we are told, especially as women, is that you are your body. However you look, that that's who you are in your life. If you look good, you have good chances of having a good life. If you look bad, you have bad chances of having a good life. If your body is ugly, you are ugly, right? If your body is hot, you are hot. Now, it's natural to identify as a body, right? Like, how else would I describe myself quickly and simply to a stranger? You know, what else are they going to put on my driver's license to identify me? They've got my height, my weight, my eye color, my hair color. Well, do they have hair color? Maybe not. But eye color, definitely. So we naturally identify as our bodies in all types of ways, right? Like, I'm a brunette, or I'm blonde, or I'm skinny, or I'm fat, or I'm fit, or I'm white, or I'm light-skinned or dark-skinned, all that. All those examples are ways that we identify as a body. And, and in part, we need to do that, right? Like, that's not, there's nothing wrong with, with calling yourself you know, I'm, I'm brunette or I'm light skin or I'm you know, this or that. As long as there's not an emotional charge, positive or negative, behind some of those identifiers. And the things that we can have positive or negative charges around are identifiers like fat, skinny, short, tall, white, black, light skin, dark skin. There are a lot of triggering words that can come along with how we identify or how others might identify us. And rather than avoiding this language, because when you avoid a trigger, it doesn't solve anything. You will still be triggered when that happens. Rather than avoiding it, you have to disarm that trigger. You have to pull that trigger. You have to unload the gun and figure out why it's so loaded and what it is that that word does to you that holds power over you, okay? So if you are triggered by certain parts of your identity that are true, right? Like, like these may not necessarily be things that are incorrect or inaccurate, but if you're triggered by these things, it's important to take the time to dig into this and to figure out that trigger and heal that trigger because it's just not, it's not practical to expect everyone in the world to operate around your triggers when they don't even know what they are, right? I would rather equip myself and equip you to become untriggered by these things because a lot of these things shouldn't trigger us, right? It shouldn't be triggering to be called skinny or to be called fat because so much of this is just cultural. Like it used to be an insult to be called skinny and you can listen to a different episode that I did about that whole thing but it was not too long ago that it was an insult to be called skinny. So think of it that way. Remember, these things have not always been positive, negative, whatever. But the truth is we are more than just 
bodies. We are spiritual beings living in designated bodies designed for our unique personality, gifting, and purpose. I truly believe that you were created to be in your body and I was created to be in my body and my personality fits my body and your personality fits your body and it's our jobs to understand what it is we're supposed to do with our respective bodies. It's not our job to figure out how do we change our body to be this other thing that looks good. And that right there is powerful. When you start to look at your body as an indicator for what you were put on this earth to do, you're a lot less quick to change things and criticize things and you're more open to investigating and experimenting. I had to come to terms with the fact that I just, I don't have thin legs. I always wanted to have like just these thin little legs. I didn't want my thighs to fill out my my shorts when I would wear them. Um, I, I didn't like that. I, I don't really know why. I, I don't know exactly where that came from specifically, but it stuck with me enough for a while to, to really feel like, oh, my legs are just like big. I just have big legs. And I had to come to terms with the fact that maybe, maybe this is how I was supposed to be. Maybe because I have these bigger, strong thighs, strong legs, I'm supposed to do something with that, like run or lift weights, uh, lift heavy weights with my legs, or go biking, or rock climbing actually requires a lot of leg strength. So rather than try to beat myself up over something that my body isn't, I got curious about what could this mean for me? What could this mean that my body is supposed to be for, that's unique to me. I remember in high school, uh, one of my friends was a pole vaulter. <laughs> she was a pole vaulter and she tried to kind of talk me into doing pole vaulting and I kind of looked at her and I looked at myself and I was like, all of my strength and weight is below my hips and you think that I'm going to be able to launch myself over this bar? Are you insane? Like, that, I am not built to do that. You are built to do that because you have upper body strength and, like, no hips or, or thighs or anything. Like, no, this, this is not a good recommendation that you are making. Um, I know she was trying to be encouraging of, like, you can do it too. But I was like, dude, no, I can't. Like, what, what part of my shape of my body is making you think that that's what's going to happen right now. No, absolutely not. But that's okay. Because what I ended up doing was going on to run a marathon. And that became the thing that I kind of hung my hat on as far as my physical abilities. Uh, I was like, well, you know, my body was able to get me across that finish line of 26.2 miles. So 
I may not be a pole vaulter, but I ran a marathon, (laughs) you know? So you have to find the thing that your body is going to be good at based on what it looks like, where your muscle is, where your strength is, and then encourage those, those attributes that you already have. I want to talk for a second about vanity and being conceited because this is something I struggled with when I was younger. There was this kind of this like talk um, about me being like attractive, right? So like I came to public school, I was homeschooled until sixth grade. And when I went to sixth grade, I kind of like came on the scene and people were like, oh, she's really cute. Oh, oh, this new girl is like cute. And then in high school, it turned into, oh, you know, she's she's one of the hot ones, like whatever. So the things that people say about you end up being how you identify, right? Because I kind of was like, okay, I like, yeah, I'm a good looking person. That's what people say to me. So that must be true. And because it was a positive thing, I really gripped that uh, for my identity. I was like, yeah, I'm hot. I'm thin. I'm hot. I'm young. Yeah, like this, this is me. And I realized there's also a danger in that because your body changes throughout your life. And when you identify as something that has the ability to change, you'll be surprised how quickly a change in your body becomes an identity crisis. I talk about that a little bit in my in my book, uh, Body Image Solution and Social Currency, actually, both of them, I, I mentioned that. Because a lot of what social currency is about is how do you get your worth? Where do you get your worth? How do you identify? So that's something I had to separate. I had to separate what I looked like from how I identified as a person. Because that's what gets you to a deeper level of who you are. Think about it. How would we tell each other apart if we all looked the same? Like if it wasn't for our bodies, if it wasn't for our physical appearance, how would we tell each other apart? It would have to be on a deeper level. And you can feel this. You can feel a difference in someone's presence, someone's energy. People bring their personality, their character, and a lot more. Like people bring a lot more to the table than just what they look like. But sometimes, depending on how people look, you don't get past that. And I had felt that from from the perspective of someone who... I guess people would just make a lot of assumptions about me based on what I look like. Either think that I wasn't very smart or only got the success that I got because of what I looked like and and favoritism because of that and and everything like that. I kind of felt that at, at times in my life. I was very conscious of not letting that impact me. 
Like I know what is true. And for every person that maybe favored me because I look the way I do, there's probably five or six who who judged me negatively because of the way I do. Like there are there are some people who, you know, they don't get jobs because they're like, nope, too attractive. I don't want them around the office or I don't want, you know, someone's spouse is like, nope, you're not hiring them for your team or you're not hiring them for your assistant, you know, like this, this stuff happens. So the more you can show up as those other things beyond just your appearance, your identity is going to be rooted in things that are more substantial. People are going to pick up on that. They'll pick up on your character, your energy, your personality, your sense of humor, what you actually know, your abilities. Not that those things are are the end-all be-all of your identity either. But when you focus on those things, other people will focus on those things. And I noticed a big difference when I was back in my kind of shallow, conceited, arrogant days, there wasn't a lot more that I showed people. I didn't show people those other parts of my identity because I felt insecure about that. The thing I felt confident about was the way I looked. So I really only wanted people to judge me on that because I figured I would get a good rating. But that's an insecurity in and of itself. When we think about determining how we are going to value people, including ourselves, It shouldn't start with bodies. It shouldn't start with appearance. It shouldn't start with any shallow social currency that that person may or may not have. But for a lot of people, it does. And for those people who who do that, you know, you can't stop someone from judging you based on what you look like or based on, you know, your body. But you can control how you mainly identify and see yourself. And the people who are going to judge you just based off of what you look like or how much money you have or what kind of car you drive or whatever, like those aren't confident people to begin with. Those are shallow, superficial, insecure people. So in my opinion, I don't really care what <laughs> what they might think of me because, you know, they're judging people based on very superficial things that can easily change in an instant but your character you can't change that in an instant that's something that is built that's not something that you're born into or that you buy or anything like that oftentimes the way we build our identity if we're not building it around our body if we're like okay i'm not going to identify as my weight i'm not going to identify as a size then what do I identify as? A lot of times we start identifying as how we relate to other people. Like I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm, or, or our jobs, right? That's a big thing. So I'm an author, I'm a coach, I'm a therapist. But if you go even deeper than that, it's your, it's your character and your interests, your taste in things, your taste in music, your sense of humor, 
your your general sense of being, your mannerisms. I think finding your identity in those types of things can be helpful when trying to separate your identity from your body and your body image. Because when when you struggle with body image, you can start to feel like you are wherever you're at with your body right now. I am a failure. Or I'm only as good as my last personal record. Or I'm only as good as how many times I worked out this week. And you start to identify as those things. Or you start to identify as I'm bad because... I ate this, or I'm bad because I'm out of my routine for that, or, oh, I'm good. I'm good because I ate good all week, or I, I was consistent with, with going to the gym or exercising or whatever it is. I was doing that all week. When you start to identify as good and bad based on your behavior related to your body, that does something. It does something to you. It it infiltrates your self-talk and it solidifies your identity in your body. And that's what we're trying to move away from. The, the more you can separate your identity from your body, the less attached your identity and self-worth will be if your body image is negative. Or if you do fall into a, a, a pattern that isn't the healthiest. You know, you don't sit there and beat yourself up about it, right? Like the last episode, I just talked about guilt and shame. If you just identify as, I am a person who is learning. I am a person who is growing. I am a person who is adapting to my life and what is required of me. If you have that grace and that compassion and that patience with yourself, you start to see yourself as someone who is respectable and someone who is admirable, someone who is trustworthy. And then your body is just kind of like very much secondary or or you know not even on the scale of how you identify because you identify as someone who has courage. And those things are powerful things to identify as. We got a little philosophical in this episode. I hope that all of this makes sense and sinks in for you. It will click eventually. I I guarantee it. You can re-listen to this a couple times if you need to. Those characteristics are going to be things that you can control more than just what your body ends up looking like. I can control whether or not I have integrity. I can control whether or not I have courage, but I can't control if I have a six pack. I can't control if my legs are thicker than I want them to be. I can't control if I get an illness and lose all my hair and I can't identify as being brunette anymore. Like there are so many ways that your body could just change suddenly beyond your control. And what I want to do is provide you encouragement and paths forward to still have a strong sense of identity, still have a strong sense of confidence if and when your body changes. And hopefully getting you to a place where you love and respect and appreciate your body. But even if you're not there yet, at least get you to a place where you're not identifying as the negative things that you may think or feel about your body right now today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't left a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify, go ahead and do that. 
go ahead and just do that. On Spotify, you can actually give feedback on the specific episode and say like what you liked, what your takeaways were. It's a really cool new feature that they have that they rolled out. So I would love to see what you think if you're listening over on Spotify. And until next time, I'm Rebecca Biggie. This is Confidently She. See you on the next episode. Bye.